Welcome to the Save Your Marriage podcast, dedicated to all the men and women out there who are going through marital problems and want to save their marriages. Here, we give you tools, perspectives, and insight into how to save your marriage and have a thriving marriage. This podcast is sponsored by The Fortified Spouse. And now, here's your host, Arturo Henriquez. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode. Thank you very much for listening. I just want to invite all the men and women out there to book a private, complimentary call with me. We will talk about your particular situation in private and give you lots of guidance and put you on the path to restoring and saving your marriage. Just go to www.fortifiedspouse.com forward slash call. That's C-A-L-L. So I wanted to start this episode with a question. How has competition been with your spouse, whether it's now or last week, last month, a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, from the very beginning? Because I constantly see couples competing to be the most wounded or to compete to be the most correct or to compete to be the most wronged or to compete to be the most right, or doing the most of something. And what I've been aware of is while they were competing with each other, they were missing the opportunity of connecting with each other. In fact, many times it's a choice between competing or connecting. You see, I I look at myself as a thriveologist. I study the art and science of thriving, whether it's in life, or in marriage, or in business, or wherever it is. And I've done so well in business because I understand the competitive aspect of it, but I also understand how to manage it and when competitiveness is not good, it's not healthy. And part of what I've noticed is that there are some places when it comes to relationships where you know competitions causes relationships to break down. One of those areas is all around competing. So what do I mean by that? Well, I think there are two ways that people can walk through a marriage together. It's two understandings. There's one that fails and one that worked. The one that fails is you, me, thinking. Now, this is a natural progression, right? Unfortunately, sometimes people don't realize that they need to change trains, get on a different train when they get married. And so they stay at the same you, me train. And unfortunately, that hits to the end of the tracks at some point, right? That train stops, the you, me train. And if the you don't change trains, you run out of track in some pretty ugly ways. So let's talk for a minute about what that looks like. You, me, is again, is a natural progression. In the beginning, when my wife and I met, we met while we were doing our master's, and we met at the point it was her and me, you, me. In fact, at that point, it was just you and all your friends and me and all of my friends, and it was just two people. But we kind of liked each other enough that we started hanging out and we started becoming boyfriend and girlfriend. And over time, it was you, me, that became you and me. And that's the key. A lot of people begin to see us as a couple 
And our families began to see us as a couple, as a you and me. And we would talk about you and me. You know, that's you and me. That works great in building a relationship. Because instead of you, me, we've added the and, the A-N-D, and in there. And that works really well as a way of seeing ourselves as being in a team. However, it doesn't take long, though, before that can cause problems when we get married. Because there's a shift that happens in marriage that many people don't make. And that's about becoming a we. No longer a you and I or you and me, but a we, a new entity, a new unit. In fact, that's exactly what the state thinks of you when you get married. The legal piece of paper, when you sign your name on that marriage license, it means you're a new entity. You've created an entity in terms of the legal definition where you're now a group, a thing, a we. And so that moment when you're pronounced to be spouse and spouse, you have become or have the potential of becoming a we. I think it takes a little while for that to actualize itself, but that's the new train. You have to jump over to that we train because here's what happens if you stay on the you-me train. As you go forward, you begin to ask the question, what am I getting out of this? I believe that people get married because they want to show their love for their spouse. And then they start changing the question afterwards and ask, how are you loving me? What am I getting from this? And that's when the cracks start showing. Usually it doesn't happen while you're doing that dating thing, when you're courting, when you're boyfriend, girlfriend, while you're building that you and me piece. Because I remember my dating time, I was trying to show every way I could to my, at that point, girlfriend, my now wife, how much I cared for her. I was doing everything I could. Now, you talk about the love languages. That's when you're speaking every single love language you can possibly think of to convince this person how much you care for them. And that carries you all the way, maybe into marriage. But then you begin to ask the question, what am I getting out of this? What's in it for me? And that's when the danger steps in. Because you, me, became you and me. And then instead of transforming to we, as in we are in this together, we are a team, we are a unit, we are in a relationship, it becomes you versus me. What are you getting? What am I getting? And is it fair? This is where we begin to see the win-lose mentality built into marriage. It's a win-lose mentality which is based in ego because the ego says, I want to win or I don't want to lose. It is also often about keeping score. There's been a lot of research with couples to see what is the balance and the perceived balance of people carrying the responsibilities of the household. And so the research has shown that when you ask a couple what percentage of carrying the household do they each hold, each person will say, this is what I do. And so if I were to say, this is what I do, and compare it to my spouse's, this is what I do, the interesting thing is, in the end, even though there's only 100% of what happens in a household, it always exceeds 100%. Because each one of us thinks we're doing more than we're actually doing, 
And the sum of it is always going to be more than 100%. In other words, each person was somehow overestimating what they're putting into it. And they were also underestimating what their spouse was putting into it. If I believe I'm giving 60%, I've automatically assigned only 40% to my spouse. If my spouse likewise thinks that my spouse is putting 60% in, I'm only putting 40% in her mind. If you add up what we're each doing, we are putting in 120%, and that's an impossibility. And yet research shows that we do that in the interview processes, when the surveys are taken, that we are always seem to overestimate what we're doing and underestimate what our spouse does. And that's a keeping score mentality. I'm asking, what am I putting in? What am I getting out? And so part of the whole question puts us into an oppositional position. What are you doing versus what am I doing? The versus is very important. What am I putting in versus what are you putting in? That piece begins to create what I call the ledger marriage. It's kind of like if you have a ledger, your, your credits and your debits, and you're adding it in. Here's what I did, and many times I'll watch as couples compare what they've done this past week, what actions they've taken, whether it's relationship actions or household actions, they begin to kind of go, oh yeah, well, I did this, well, I did that, and I'm hearing it in the ledger format. Let's compare this balance sheet and see who's really putting what into the relationship. And that's when you versus me is on full display. I've had people, you know, tell me down to the nitty gritty of what each has done this past week. And each person is so sure that they have done more than their fair share. That's the cracks. That's where it begins to fall apart because it erodes connection and it's oppositional. We're doing comparison shopping. It's not about what we're doing with each other, but what we're doing against each other. You see, connection and competition, they cannot exist together in a marriage for the marriage to be successful. Now, don't get me wrong. If you and your spouse have some hobby that, you know, you pitch against each other, you play tennis against each other or golf or cards at night, of course, there's going to be a winner and a loser and there's going to be competition, right? And that is fine, right? Those type of hobbies, those type of sports, that's fine. But in the relationship of life, there's either competing or there's connecting. They both can't be there, though. So let's stay with that analogy for a minute and talk about being teammates versus the all-stars. Have you ever watched the team where there's the hot dog on the team who's hogging the ball, taking all the shots, feeling like they are the stars of the show, they're carrying the team? Now imagine that there are multiple people on that same team believing in the same thing and believing that they truly are the stars versus the other person as opposed to a well-functioning team that says, you know, you bring your best and I'll bring my best and we will win this game as a team. That's a team mentality. It's the difference between ego and us. We're a team here. Our task is to win, but to win together, not to win as individuals. And many times couples see it as either I'm getting it or you're getting it. Whatever it is, we can't both win this. 
And there's something really lurking underneath. There's a subtle victim stance in that. Because if I'm not getting my fair share, I'm seeing myself as the victim. If I see myself as having to put more in to carry this relationship, I see myself as the victim. Why am I putting in more than you are? Even at the same moment, they may go, I'm carrying all this. Look at me. I'm the all-star underneath that they're saying, and it's not fair. I'm the victim here. I'm having to carry all of this. Being a victim doesn't get us very far in a relationship. In fact, it doesn't get us very far in life. Being on a team is where we can win. Being on a team means we win at life. When, when struggles come our way, I believe that couples can either join together or fight against each other over it. If you're in the midst of a marriage crisis, you may have already felt that breakdown. Now, one of the things I've noticed is that marriages that are successful often get to a we. Marriages that fail rarely have gotten to a we. They're not at a we place. So what can we do? I think there are a couple of changes that we can make pretty easily. And one is to have a personal we commitment to see that we are standing as a team, to treat it that way. And when, whenever we find some position, some difficult spot to ask the question, how do we need to move forward together? One of the things that is so true is that when we have a conflict, it needs to be in the service of progress. It's not about who wins the argument. It's on how the disagreement allows us to move forward in some way. It points to some areas that need to be addressed. It's not about winning and losing. In fact, you may have heard the statement, you can either be happy or you can be right. But really, you can't be both. And this is so true in a marriage. If your task is to be right, you want to win at the expense of being happy as a couple. Being a we doesn't come natural for us. We're rooted in this place of being individuals, taking care of ourselves. I mean, that's how we were raised as kids. Stand on your two feet. You've got to do this. You've got to get it done right by yourself, be an individual, be independent. And then we get into marriage and we have to say, we're now this team. That's the whole point of a marriage, of a wedding. To say that these two people have come together, they've gathered together, and as several religions have said it, have become one. When you're one, you are now a unit. You are a team. The question is how we play best on that team. Sometimes I watch as people are resentful that their spouse is kind of bringing some skill to the game as if there's, you know, some zero sum to what we can bring to this marriage, to this relationship. There's no zero sum to the game of being on that team, of the game of marriage. You bring your best self. Your spouse brings their best self. And here's the thing that's not always even. There are going to be times in every marriage where one person has the strength and the other person may be a little weaker. In a healthy marriage, you recognize that and you carry the weight that day if you're bringing more because you're the strong one and your spouse is the weak one because there will be other days where the roles will be reversed. And again, the whole point is to as a team together as a we to move the relationship forward. In other words, let's take care of this together, 
independent of who brings more at this very moment, right? So that we can be at 100% together. When they're seeing each other as a team, when you're seeing each other as a team, that's when you win. If in the middle of a game, somebody has a sprained ankle, the other person or the other people pick up the slack. That's just part of playing on a team. And it's funny how we forget that in life, in relationships, in marriage. There are going to be days when each person might give or take a little more, or let's say it differently, contribute to a game a little bit different. And that's okay. That's what it means to understand that you are on a team. It means you understand that the spouse may not have as much at that moment and you need to pick up the slack because you know that at some moment in time in the future, you may not have as much and your spouse will pick up the slack. You have each other's back. Together, you are at 100%. You are winning in the game of marriage, in the game of relationships. Not as a way of keeping score, but of saying, we're in this together. Our task is to win at the game of life together in this thing called marriage. Thank you for listening. Now, I want to introduce you to the Fortified Spouse Program that has helped thousands of women and men just like you save their marriages with an 85% success rate. It is based on four fundamental pillars. One, gain the tools to reconnect with your spouse. Two, understand the differences between men and women so we can appreciate and be more empathetic with our spouse. Three, learn how to gain inner confidence so we are no longer codependent on our spouse. And four, deal with our insecurities and triggers so we are more emotionally in control and not as easily triggered. If you're interested in learning more about these tools to immediately stabilize the marriage and postpone and delay the divorce or separation or win your spouse back from an affair, then go to www.fortifiedspouse.com and enroll in the program. It is going to change your life. It is going to make you the best version of you, and it has the highest probability of saving your marriage. You have been listening to the Save Your Marriage podcast for men and women. For further information, visit The Fortified Spouse at www.fortifiedspouse.com. Thank you. Thank you.